0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. It is Monday morning, September the 26th, 2022, and I am delighted to be with you this morning, at least. I think I'm with you this morning. It says that we are rolling, but somehow, some way, I'm not seeing anything. <clears throat> I don't know what's going on with Facebook. As usual, I am at its mercy. Um, I think what I'm going to do is check on my own phone and see if anything is actually happening here. Mm. I don't know if it is. Please bear with me for the moment. Oh, yeah, it looks like we are rolling, even though I can't see anything about myself. But that's okay. Okay. Um, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep looking on my phone and somebody comment if you can see that things are uh, are working here. Hmm. I see people saying good morning. Yeah. Uh, anyway, all right. I'm going to blaze forward whether I can see myself or not. Um. Anyway, it's good to be with y'all this morning despite the frustration of technology not cooperating. Um I hope that everybody had a wonderful weekend. I hope that this past weekend found uh you in a Bible-believing church somewhere, but I hope it also found you enjoying the fall. My goodness, it was a nice day on Saturday. Um okay, thank you, Alice. Let's see, things are working. All right. It's very strange. I'm gonna I'm gonna warp your mind here. Normally I can see myself like right here, and I can see If somebody comments most of the time, though not all the time, it just has these lines blinking. So anyway, we will just press forward. Um, Nevertheless, uh, again, um, y'all, where was I? Yeah, you'll have to excuse me. This stuff really throws me off when things don't work like they're supposed to. It shouldn't. I should be a pro by now at this. I think that this is daily devotional number 397. Oh, what I was saying. I hope that uh, this past weekend found you enjoying the fall somewhere. Um, I ended up going to Highland County. Oh man, The the leaves have not changed yet, but it was crisp. The wind was blowing. I don't know how warm it was, but it was not that warm, but it was very enjoyable. Even so, um, welcome back, y'all. It is fall. Fall is underway. It's kind of a dreary morning outside. The sun hasn't quite come up. I think it's going to be a beautiful day, though. Now, where we are picking up today, let's get to it. We're picking up today, of course, after where we left off the last time. When we were together, we really focused on verses 11 through 18 of John chapter 10. And not so much just on the text, because we had already been through that kind of on an overhead. Last time we were together, we focused on what Jesus says about two groups. First, the hireling, right? The hired hand that doesn't care about the sheep. He's just there for his wages. When danger comes, he takes off. Right? He has nothing invested in the sheep. And we talked about what the hireling looks like, how the hireling can be a false teacher. Yesterday in my sermon, I brought out another aspect of the hireling. And I asked this rhetorical question, somewhat rhetorical, where the answer is yes. Um, you know, what's worse, uh, a, a pastor that flat out preaches against God's word or a pastor that just won't address certain areas? that might be too frightened to talk about certain areas because if that pastor says, um, preaches what is really believed, then, you know, he, or I shudder to say it, she may lose her job, right? The, the answer is, is that worse? Or is it worse to flat out preach against the Bible? And the answer I believe is yes. You know, there's not really one that's better than the other. If you have a pastor that's too afraid to just preach to the word of God, um, that individual is the hireling as well. To withhold the truth is just as bad as lying, okay? That's a principle you can carry all the way across life. Certainly you can carry it to the duty, the responsibility to be an under-shepherd. That's what pastors are called to be. So we talked about the hireling the last time we were together. And then we also talked about the wolf, right? How Satan is the head wolf to a certain extent. Satan is that roaring lion, roaming to and fro, seeking to devour. That's what we find out in 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, But the wolf wants to snatch the sheep away from the flock, wants to devour the sheep. We also talked the last time about what it's like to not really be a part of a church. How you are that sheep that is separated from the flock, how you're susceptible. And by the way, you also endanger the shepherd and the other sheep because the shepherd has to leave the ninety and the nine and go looking for you. So, yet again, make sure that you are a regular part of a Bible-believing church. Now, that's what we talked about last time, finished up in verse 18. Where we're picking up today is in John chapter 10, verse 19, and we're going to see the aftermath of this. And I hope you realize that things have been building right? They really, they really have been building. Um, Jesus has, has been confronting the Pharisees. They've become more and more upset about the things that are going on. But where we come to today, y'all, things are really starting to come to a head. And by the time we get to the end of chapter 11, it's a, it's reached the boiling point with the Pharisees. But let me pray first, and then we will dig in to uh, John chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. Let's pray though. Father, please be with us now. Guide us in this time. Um, uh, I, I pray that you would be with me as I get so distracted when things aren't working right with technology and it's frustrating. And uh, um, But even so, help me right now as we go through this time together. I pray that we would understand. I pray that we would see the truth and the real heart of the matter. It's going on here as Jesus faces opposition, why he's facing opposition, the, the real source of it. And help us to see that though this was written some 2,000 years ago, it still very much applies to today. Please guide us in this time by your Holy Spirit. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. All right. So John chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, it says, at these words, the Jews were again divided. All right. Pause. All right. It's just like when you start with a therefore, if a passage starts that you're reading, starts with a therefore. You should stop and ask what the therefore is. Therefore, very much the same. When we come to a transition statement like this at these words, and this is not just us in this time when you're reading the Bible. And if you pick up the Bible to read at a at a part where there's a transitional statement of the like, it could be at these words. It could be after this it could even be the next day, you really need to read back and see what this is talking about if you're going to understand where you are when you come to God's words, right? So at these words, the Jews were again divided, what words are they talking about? Well, if you drop back, it's what we talked about last week. Verse 14, when Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It's just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And then he says, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep. pen. I must bring them in also. Right. He's talking about people that are outside of Judea. This is why very shortly thereafter, he's going to cross the Jordan. He's going to do ministry over the Jordan. Many people are going to believe we'll get there. Don't worry. We'll, we will get there. But that's who Jesus is referring to here. Um, He said, they too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock, one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and the authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. All right. So those are the words when in verse 19, it says at these words, the Jews were again divided. Verse 20, many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Now, that's the overarching statements that are coming from the Jews as Jesus is teaching, right? Which side note, when you're doing the kind of things that Jesus does, you start building pretty big crowds, so a lot of people are hearing the question is, why are they so divided? Well, the reason I believe the, the overarching number one reason is that Jesus says way too many things. He teaches way too many things to leave anybody on some neutral kind of ground. Right. When he makes statements, as he just made about laying down his life for the sheep, knowing the father. Now, they would have understood that knowing the father is very different than me saying that I, I know Monica. Right. Or that I know, Kyle, or that I know, you name it. y'all. Knowing implied a real deep connected relationship, knowing as in connected. All right. So they would have had a major issue with Jesus saying this sort of thing. It could be that there's other things that he said that really, really angered the Jews. You know, this whole concept of, I have other sheep, verse 16. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep, then. I must bring them in also. You know, by the time we get to the turn of the century, you know, 1 AD, Jews have really, really lost their way and have become incredibly insular. It's not all their fault, right? There's persecution from other nations. But remember, when God, for lack of a better term, commissioned the Jewish people When God even commissioned the temple, right, it wasn't just supposed to be a Jewish thing. Remember what he said about his temple? It's to be a house of prayer for all peoples, not just Jews. Um, Throughout the Old Testament, you find lots of examples of non-Jewish people that had come to Israel and had converted. Um, A primary example of this is Uriah the Hittite. Remember, Bathsheba's husband, the guy that David had whacked I doubt he said that, but nevertheless, you know, it was not a mafia thing, but anyway, David had him killed, right? Sent him to the front lines. But y'all, by the time we get to first century Jerusalem, um, they had really lost that. They'd become so insular that it could be that, that this anger, them calling Jesus, not just a false teacher. They're not even just calling him a false prophet. They're saying that he's got a demon. He's demon possessed. It could be because he's suggesting this notion that Jews and Gentiles are alike. You know, again, y'all, you know, we've talked about this before. I cannot overstate the principle that the Jews and the Gentiles hated one another, they loathed one another, okay? Especially the Samaritans and especially the Romans, those across the Jordan. And yet Jesus says, you know, he alludes to it. We find out that that's exactly who he's talking about when he actually crosses the Jordan. Um, if, if you fast forward to the end, verse 40, then Jesus went back across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing in the early days. Right. So, I mean, if you if you look at things from that perspective, we know who he's talking about. Here. That could be what's making them so upset. But really, I think it's the combination of everything Jesus has been doing and the fact that Jesus doesn't leave you any room. You know, that's why, as I talked about yesterday in my sermon, this idea that Jesus never claims to be God, this idea that he's just a good teacher, it just doesn't fit, y'all. That's why C.S. Lewis came up with his famous, famous quote about how you either have to accept Jesus as Lord or you must view him as a madman on the level of the one who claims he is a poached egg, right? Because you can't say the kind of things that Jesus said and just be a good teacher. You can't claim the kinds of things that Jesus claimed and just be a really wise person. Mm -mm, mm -mm. Very clearly he's claiming to be God. And not only is he claiming to be God, he claims to be God on a mission and either he is or he isn't. That's why again, verse 19 at these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said he has a demon. Others said, and, and this is the fascinating thing. Others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So that's one example. They're saying a demon can't do such wondrous things, so, so many wonderful things. But also, they point to his sayings. And I really think the basis of them pointing to his sayings is what we read just a moment ago. You know, demons don't go around talking about laying down their lives for those that love God the Father. They just don't do that. It, again, it doesn't fit. Jesus leaves no room for that. But nevertheless, they are un- they are certainly divided on this. They're divided over Jesus. To that end, the passage continues. Verse 22, it says, Then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter." And Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. Side note, Jesus often teaches in the temple, okay? Fast forward after Jesus ascends back into heaven, the apostles taught in the temple. That was a commonplace thing to do. The temple was this gigantic complex, okay? People came to pray, people came to worship, people came to learn. So Jesus is walking in Solomon's colonnade. Verse 24, the Jews gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. All right, time out. Pause for just a second. This verse comes across as shocking to some people, right? It's it's shocking because this whole concept of Jesus being the Christ, um, there are some out there that believe this concept really didn't surface until after Jesus was crucified and was resurrected. Um, There are some that are like, oh, no, 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 they never were looking for the Messiah or anything like that. And that's just not true. The Jewish people were looking for a Messiah. They stopped looking for the Messiah at this point. Um, But realize that their concept of the Messiah, okay, and this is what's very important. If you're going to understand this, what we're reading, you've got to understand this point. The Jewish concept of the Messiah, the Jewish concept of the Christ, is drastically different than our understanding of the Christ. Remember, we have the entire corpus, the body of God's word. We have all 66 books that compose the Holy scriptures. We know that Jesus being the Messiah is not just about redeeming one national group. We know instead that Jesus being the Messiah is about him defeating death itself. For them though, They viewed the Messiah, by the time we get to the first century, first century Judea, the Messiah in their minds, for the most part, is the one that will come and deliver them from Rome and will establish the kingship of Israel once again. Their vision was painfully small. Y'all, the Messiah was never intended to just do that. Is Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Without a doubt but y'all Jesus' kingship is not about is not about excuse me one plot of land in 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 Mesopotamia y'all Jesus' kingship is about the universe it's about redeeming a people for himself that goes beyond just the Jewish people plus what they had going on was this thing that that really came up between Malachi and Matthew. Um, if you read some of this stuff it 's called apocalyptic literature. They believed that the Christ was coming, the Christ would be the one who delivered them from Rome. He was the general on the hillside. The Son of Man was like the uh, the great warrior character, and you know there's a reason Jesus keeps calling himself the Son of Man, but nevertheless that 's for a different discussion at a different time their understanding of who the Christ was is very different than ours and very different than what the Bible actually teaches. So keep that in mind as we read Jesus's response. Verse 25, excuse me, verse 24. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. The miracles I do in my Father's name speak for me, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. <sighs> Y'all, now we're really getting down. Do You get the same here? They come to Jesus, and like, how long are you going to keep this? If you're the Christ, tell us you're the Christ. And Jesus' answer is, tell you. I'm not going to just tell you. I've shown you, but you don't see. I've told you, but you don't believe me. And he flat out says, the reason that you don't believe me is that you don't belong to me. You are not one of my sheep. Now, we need to be careful here, and we need to try our best to hear this with Old Testament-informed ears. As Jesus talked about himself and the Father and people being the sheep, their minds would have gone to some of the same passages that our minds go to. They would have gone to the 23rd Psalm, right? They would have gone to all the language of the prophets about the sheep and the shepherd and all of the. Their minds would have gone there and for jesus to say to them the reason you don't understand the reason you don't hear the reason you don't believe is that you're not one of god's sheep yo this was this was the worst thing he could have said to them it was true but it was the most infuriating things possible, thing possible. They would have said, what do you mean we're not one of his sheep? We're Jewish. There's a reason why, as Jesus interacts with them, they always keep coming back to this concept of, oh, Abraham's our father. And they talk about Moses, and they go all the way back and talk about their ancestry. But what Jesus reveals is that belonging to God isn't about your blood. It's not about who your daddy was or who your granddaddy was. It's about you. And it's about whether you really have faith in Christ. Side note, Jesus tells us something very important about faith here. A theological truth, and it's this. Your salvation is not dependent on you. Um, As I think it was Jonathan Edwards, or it might have been Spurgeon, the only thing we contribute to our salvation is the sin that makes it necessary in the first place. Did you hear that? The only thing... You and I contribute to our salvation as the sin that makes it necessary in the first place. All right. As a result, God is the author of our salvation from beginning to end. And we cannot lose our salvation because our salvation is not about us holding on to God. It's about God holding on to you. That's why Jesus says all of these things about how no one can snatch a sheep from his hand. No one can snatch a sheep from his father's hand. Why? Verse 30. Because I and the father are one. Now, where we're picking up tomorrow is in verse 31. You could imagine how the Jews would react to this. Jesus is equating himself to God the father. He draws no line of distinction between himself and God. It's like we talked about yesterday in the sermon in John 14, and we'll get there in this study, too. Uh, When when Jesus compares himself to God and he says, hey, from now on, you've seen God because you've seen me. Either that's blasphemy of the highest degree or it's true. Can't be anything else. We know it's true. But how did they respond? Verse 31, again, the Jews picked up stones to stone him. Now, that's where we're going to pick up tomorrow. But as it is for us, I would encourage you today, this Monday, September 26, 2022, dwell on your salvation. Consider your salvation. Consider if you are one of his sheep and if you do know his voice. By the way, if you want to hear God's voice, pick up the Bible and read it. Consider whether you really know him, all right? And in light of that, do you cherish your salvation? Do you celebrate it, recognizing that apart from God's grace, you're you're lost? I hope that you do, because it is the ultimate way to live a life of gratitude, to reflect on everything Jesus has done, and the fact that you'd be so lost without him. Now, tomorrow we're going to pick up with how Jesus continues. There's men there with stones ready to kill him. What's he gonna do? That's where we'll pick up then. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time. And again, I thank you for the opportunity that you give us to engage in this manner. Um, give us grateful hearts. As we dwell in our salvation, as we think about what Jesus dealt with, um, how he humbled himself to deal with men that wanted to strike him dead. He could have, he didn't even have to murmur a word. He could have, he could have just thought it and consumed the earth dare pick up stones to kill him. And yet he laid down his life willingly. He is the good shepherd. It's my prayer that everyone who hears this knows his voice, belongs to him. But if they don't, would you work in their hearts and draw them to yourself? Now, please be with us as we go into this Monday. We pray that it would be a good one, and we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for taking part in this time, for watching Can't see a lick of anything, Um, so if you commented, good morning to you. Hopefully, tomorrow morning, things will be working right, but then again, we'll have to see. Uh, I hope that everyone has a wonderful Monday.